Praise the Lord. Good to see you all. In this summer season, we are striving toward maximum maturity, meaning we want to grow spiritually, physically, ministerially, relationally, and even financially in order for us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness with more effectiveness. And for the last three weeks, we have been challenged to go deeper in our relationship with Christ, seeking his very presence within the community of Christ. Go, and also we are challenged to go wider in the kingdom partnership with Christ, witnessing the gospel in word and deed together with the community of Christ. And also last week, we are challenged to go even higher in experiencing God's power and operating in different level of faith. We want to grow. That's what it is in this season of summer. We want to grow and we want to become world-class Christians whom God can use for his kingdom work. The world-class Christians who operate in God's wisdom and power. The world-class Christians who are sent by God to make difference in this world. This sounds pretty daunting or challenging. Are we world-class Christians? Can we be? I thought those who are involving in the global Christian leadership, I thought those who are in big mega churches are the global Christians. Perhaps we can never be. Well, basically, I tell you this, the world-class Christians are those who are mature in their faith and faithfully serving the kingdom of God wherever they are, at home, at school, work, in everyday life with a daily faithfulness. The mature ones, unshakable ones, faithful ones, the strong ones, those are world-class Christians that we need today. Amen? Unfortunately, more and more, we cannot find such Christians in our world. In our reality, in this culturally and politically and socially unstable and even hostile environment for the Christian's faith, we see more of not world-class Christians, but simply worldly Christians. In this globalized world where the convenient Christianity is so deeply rooted in our culture, especially in our nation today, we see more of a self-serving worldly Christians than missional world-class Christians. That's the sad reality. And as a result of Christians today forgetting our calling, guess what? The worldly Christians are everywhere in our culture. Perhaps we are still in that category. But let me just give you brief characteristics of worldly Christians or world-class Christians so that we will know what we are talking about. The worldly Christians look to God primarily for personal fulfillment. They may be saved, and I cannot be really the judge of that because at the end of the day, God knows. And of course, we can have the assurance of faith in, through the relationship with Christ, but these worldly Christians, they are self-centered. 
They love to attend concerts and enrichment seminars and leadership seminars, but you never find them in missional conferences or mission conferences, or they will never find, you will never find engaging in evangelism. They are not simply interested. Their prayer focuses on their own needs, own blessings, own happiness. Did you ever hear that a lot these days? We need to pursue happiness. That's the goal of our lives. I tell you, my brothers and sisters, as Christians, the pursuit of happiness is not our primary goal or purpose of our lives. We are made to worship and glorify God. That is the purpose of our lives. Amen. We have to be very clear. The world worldly Christians are those who are those who have me faith, me first faith, meaning how can God make my life more comfortable or more abundant? That's what we are focusing on. They want to use God for their purposes instead of being used for his purposes. So because of their basis of living is their own feelings rather than faith, the worldly Christians, they do not want to uphold the word of God, the Bible, as the highest authority. Thus, they put their convenience, convenience in their ideologies, convenience in their political identity, convenience in their cultural relevance. They put their convenience as their highest priority. These are the worldly Christians today. That's why more Christians seek cultural acceptance that we see here in our nation today. But one thing that we need to remember, my brothers and sisters, by doing so, we lose our ground as God's people. At the end of the day, worldly Christians are the worldly Christian, real Christian. We need to really think about that. But now let me go into world-class Christians' characteristics. In contrast, world-class Christians, I should say maturing and growing Christians, know they were saved to serve and made for God's mission. And we'll talk about what is God's mission. They're eager to receive a personal assignments from God, meaning personal calling from God, and very excited about privilege of being used by God. And they also recognize their personal calling is not just for themselves, but it's very much tied to the community of Christ, the church of Christ, that they serve as one body of Christ. Their joy and confidence and enthusiasms are contagious because they know they're making a difference as they're being faithful in small things. They're not really into, oh, let's do something great or let's, let's pursue some kind of, you know, what is seen in this world. No, small things at a time. Being faithful family member, being faithful in the church, being faithful in the workplace, being faithful in the small things they start and they grow to be more like Christ. That is the world-class Christians, at least my definition, but not only that, I think it's a biblical definition. They wake up every morning expecting God to work in and through their lives in a fresh ways. They are not perfect people, nor nobody is perfect in this world, but they do pursue the perfection in Christ 
as they pursue holiness and righteousness. These are the worldly Christian, the world-class Christians, I should say. Now, the question remains, which type of Christian do you want to be? Do you want us to be? Are we world-class missional Christians whom God can use wherever we are? Are we becoming more worldly Christians as we compromise little by little, little by little, as we kind of deviate from the truth of the integrity of the Scripture? Very serious question, I know. But since we are striving toward the maximum maturity in this summer, these are questions that we really need to think about, struggle with. Basically, where are we in terms of our Christian growth, faith growth? Because God invites us to participate in the greatest and largest, most diverse, I should say, and most significant cause in history. You know what that is? God's kingdom. Jesus said, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. The great commission that God has given us is for all of us. Therefore, we must strive to become world-class Christians. We cannot be just satisfied with this comfort zone, staying where we are in the nice suburban lifestyle in America, just enjoying our lives. No, we have a clear mission, great commission. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. That is for all of us. And I tell you, if you want to become world-class Christians, we need to think about this. Being faithful to the Great Commission, I know it's not easy. It means self-sacrifice. It means faithfulness, seeking His glory. It means sticking with what God has given us and told us. And there will be obstacles and oppositions. I told you already that we are living in a very hostile culture against Christian faith today. And the world will continue to tempt us to quit and deviate from the truth of the Bible. That means also deviate us from the calling that we have received. But this was not a new thing, my brothers and sisters. This obstacles, opposition against the Great Commission? No. Even very first Christians, we, we read in the Bible, very fired up, filled with the Holy Ghost, and doing all kinds of miraculous things. These people, first Christians, the first, first um, century, they also had big challenges and obstacles. I'm sure it was a very daunting task when Jesus said to them, go everywhere to the whole world and preach the gospel. I mean, think about it for, logically speaking here. What are the obstacles? They have a physical obstacles. They have a technology obstacles. How can you go to the world? During the time, they were using animals. They didn't have any means of transporta effective transportation, transportation. They were in the ancient time. It was very hard for them to move to one city to one different district. Yet, they were challenged to go to the world. But if you read the book of Acts, they, therefore, they did not want to go. They said, the obstacle is too much. It's very hard for us to, to migrate from here, this city, to the other city. How can we go around the world? That's impossible. You know what they did? They just kept themselves really happy 
And the ch- as church was growing, they were in together and they were helping each other and they had a great church going and he was moving and thousands of people began to know Christ and they were having the, you know, you know, the fellowship at their homes, each homes, and they were really enjoying it, not following the Great Commission. So later on, God had to allow the persecution in the church that they were forced out to the world, go to the world. They went to Asia Minor, some went to Africa, some went to Middle East. They spread out. And we know the story. And later on, God chose this guy named Paul. He was the one who went out to the world to preach the gospel. So they had their own obstacles. They had their own challenges. So great commission, go to the world and share the gospel. It's not an easy thing. What about us? What is our obstacles? But the, this command of Jesus is not, is it overwhelming? In terms of transportation or technology, no more. We are living in that age of the challenge. I tell you, you can go anywhere around the world within 24 hours. You can go to the African countries. You can go to the East Asia. You can go South Asia. You can go anywhere. You can even go to the North Pole if you really want to. You can go everywhere in the world in 24 hours today. Very easy. Perhaps when Jesus said go everywhere to preach the gospel, now we don't really have the same obstacles and challenges that the first century Christians had. Yet, therefore, I know that many people, some many Christians that we know, we are trying to uh, go around the world and preach the gospel, and we have all the missionaries, partners, and great. But what about us? What are our challenges then? I think the barriers are no longer this physical distance or cost, financial cost, or transportation technology. That is not our, our obstacles anymore especially Christians in America. The only barrier that we are facing today that we are not being world-class missional Christians are this, is our own perception, the way we think, our attitude, the way of life, the way we live our lives, our priority. That is our barrier. To be a world-class Christians, I think we need to renew our mind. Or some say that we need to have this mental shift. But Bible actually says you need to renew your mind. If you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We don't just follow the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? Self-observing. Focusing on our feelings rather than facts. What is a trend or pattern of this world? It's all about me, 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 me. It's not about God. It's not about anyone else. That is a pattern of the world. What is the pattern of the world? Money, 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 money. Pleasure, 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 pleasure. That is a pattern of the world. Fame, fame, fame. The celebrity culture. That you can be like celebrities. I mean, I don't do, I don't have an Instagram. But, uh. I was kind of checking it out a little bit uh, because so many friends around us, we do that. And it's basically, that's what it is. I am somebody. Look, world. 
We, that's the pattern of the world. The Bible says, don't follow that. Have a mental shift. We need to have a different mindset. That's why Jesus, that's why Paul said in Romans 12, what? Do not follow those patterns. We need to live differently because we're Christians. We're God's people. You can never be world-class Christians following the pattern of the world. You need to renew your mind first. We need to renew our mind. Or today's term, your perspective, your attitudes must change. So today, remaining of our time, I would like to talk about how can we shift our thinking, our perception, and our change our attitude. Meaning, how can we renew our mind so that we can learn to become world-class Christians when so many worldly influence is upon us? How can we remain to become world-class Christians? First of all, we need to shift or change, renew our mind from self-centeredness to community-centeredness. The Bible says, my friends, stop thinking like children. Think like mature adults, mature people. See, ch- children only think of what? Themselves, their feelings, what they want, their desires. Very simple, isn't it? We have beautiful kids in our church. Look at them. Yeah, they're adorable. Just because, I believe because they are so adorable physically, that's why we can tolerate them. Can you imagine they act like this with not attractive physical form? I'm sure we will have a hard time loving them. But I'll tell you how beauty, as beautiful they are, they are still very self-focused. Why? Because they're age. They're children. They don't know better. Bible says, don't be like children. Why do you only focusing on yourselves? Start thinking about bigger things. Grown-ups think of others, especially if you're parents. I would think about our, our parents. Most of the parents, I should say, because some of, our, some of us really had bad parents. But normal parents, they're sacrificial. They take care of their children. They think of us more than themselves, often. Maybe not, but That's the normal pattern that we see in this world. They're adults. They're mature people. Mature people start thinking about other people more than themselves. And the Bible says we should do that. The very first step to become world-class Christian is that take your eyes off of yourself. Fix your eyes on Christ and learn to be like Christ. We need to have that shift. That is why, you know, when we talk about calling, when we're talking about, you know, our personal relationship with Christ, I mean, don't get me wrong, I really believe that our base of our faith is our personal relationship with Christ. But if we don't translate the personal relationship with Christ to partnership in Christ, if we don't develop to the kingdom partnership with Christ, we have a big problem. We will remain in this self-centeredness faith Please me faith. Give me more faith. We have to be very careful if you're just focusing on what we need, focusing on our feelings. Our faith is just a tool to get what we want rather than having a relationship with Christ as our Father, as our Savior, as our Lord. So we need to really think about what, can, what is more important in life 
Am I just focusing on myself or am I focusing on what God is doing? Therefore, I will challenge you, especially when you are asking God for the direction of your life and how you should live remaining of your life. You know, people say, I want to know my calling from God. Yes, that's very important, but do not ask from this self-centeredness. You got to ask as a kingdom focusedness. How? What is God's calling as a part of the community, which is a church of Christ, so that I can live my life participating what God is doing in my life? Very important. Amen? So, a lot of times, we need to ask like this, what is God's will for me? Yeah, but no, we need to ask, what is God's will for us as a community of Christ? Very important. That's how I think. What, what is my calling? Yeah, as a part of this community, Petra Church. Really important. What is my role in that? As a matter of fact, if you talk to any Hebrews, like the people in Israel back in the days, that's what they were asking. God, what is my, what is my role in this communal vision, communal direction? Because they actually believe that, what? God has chosen Israel, right? And he did. But they were always had this community mindset. Isn't it true? Even... Uh, our friends, the Jews in America, man, they are very community mindset people, community focused people, even as, as um, uh, the Jewish Americans. I think we should learn that. We should understand that. What is God's will for me as a part of the community of Christ, as a part of what God is doing in the church? Very important. That's the first step. So, I would like to challenge all of us. We need to pray, not just for ourselves. Learn to pray for others. Learn to pray for the church. Learn to pray for other than yourself or your family and see what happens. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom and the righteousness of Christ, of God. Then everything else that you need will be added unto you. You don't have to even pray for your own needs when you're focusing on praying for the church, praying for others, praying for the gospel. I'll tell you, you don't have to. But you need to faithfully and specifically pray for the church and people, other people, starting with your sons and daughters, praying with your kids in our church. I think being a small church has advantages and also disadvantages. Advantages what? We can actually get into prayer for everyone effectively. I think that's a big, huge advantage. That's why the bigger, big churches, they do have a small groups to have that promotion of prayer and relationship within the people. But think about that. We need to really do something about our self-centeredness, attitude, and perception. How do you fight that? Pray for them. Pray for others more than yourself. As a matter of fact, if you put yourself to pray for other people, starting with the church members, you won't really have much time to pray for yourself. But it's okay. When you are focusing on others and for the kingdom of God, praying for the missions, praying for your pastor, 
praying for your, your church members, your small groups, your, even your children, even your cousins whom you really need to reach out to, even for your friends. When you actually pray, focusing on that, though you might not be able to cover your needs, oh, Lord says, do not worry. I will take care of it. That's why I'm often, I don't really pray for myself. I try not to accept repentance. I do repent. Of course, we all need to repent. But I try to pray for you more. At least that's what was my training. That focusing on Christ and his people. And we'll see how it goes. Amen? That shift has to be happen from self-focusedness to the community-focusedness. Now, secondly, we need to have this shift from the local to global mindset. I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters, God is global God. Yes, we are living in a globalized world, and now everybody talks about it, right? The cultures are coming in and out, influencing each other now. Can you imagine? Uh, we are living in a day that the K-pop culture is very big in America. When I was growing up here as an Asian-American or Korean-American, that was never, never, never in. There was no such thing as a K-pop culture. And now, my goodness, I see non-Korean people more crazy about dramas and K-dramas and K-pop songs. And, and this is incredible. Yeah, bad and good. I don't, I'm not talking about, is it bad, is it good? No, I'm just talking about, you see how the world is changing and shifting. Now we also need to change our mindset. From the very beginning, the gospel was intended for the whole world. Gospel is not just for particular people of God, people in this nation or in the world. No, from the very beginning, God wanted his kingdom people from every nation that he created. Bible says from one person God made all nations who live in the earth and he wants everyone in the world to come into the kingdom of God. We need to start thinking like that. Meaning, we're living in America, this beautiful country where every kind of culture and race and all ethnicity are in concentrate in one place do not limit yourself reaching out or being friend to someone other than your own culture yet it is yes it is natural and it is not wrong it is good thing that you really want to be with same culture people yes i'm not saying that is bad thing however i want to challenge us that we will I have this shift from the global to, I mean, from local to global mindset, meaning we need to be open to, be, to reach out to someone, whoever, that God is bringing us into our lives. Just think about that. That is why we do missions, overseas missions as a church. And obviously, specifically, the Lord has given us the opportunity, given us the calling to be there in the Philippines. That's why we go. But it doesn't have to be the Philippines. It could have been somewhere else. But just for our church right now, we are focusing on that because that's what God has given us for the opportunity to serve the kingdom of God. But my challenge to Petra Church is that let us be open to wherever God sends us, we'll be able to go. Maybe for some of us, it is a big challenge. 
because you're living in this one certain place in the locally, and we've been just experiencing one culture for a long time. However, I think it's time for us to really, what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to be more open, even to reach out to the people, whomever God is bringing us into our lives, and actively see that. As a matter of fact, in our church right now, we don't, in this small congregation, we don't have that many Korean congregations anymore. And that was something that I never thought that I would be involving in, but now here we go. We are all gathered with a different background, different cultural background, educational background, but we gather to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, worshiping Jesus together. I think this is a very beautiful picture of what God wants us to do. And what we are doing this summer uh, mission, overseas mission projects is teaching us to have this mindset from glo- local to global mindset. Amen? That is why I want to challenge you to join me. We can go to Philippines. We can go to India. If we can go to Japan, wherever God gives us the opportunity to serve as a church, we will be there. And I'll tell you, we don't even have to travel too far. We can also go to neighbors around us. I mean, if you drive, you see this community of people that you never thought that you will see in 10, 20 years ago. Now they migrated to here. Why not? Amen? One of my professor, my mentor, academic mentor, he uh, and his wife, they, they learn Spanish language. Uh, he's obviously, they're very gifted in learning those things. They like doing that. So they actually practice their, uh, their Spanish language with people around them. Like, uh, I think their gardener is uh, the Mexican. Uh, so he, they speak to them. They learn from them the language. Now they're going to Costa Rica uh, to not just practice the Spanish, but to be with people and to serve them. And I think that's a good thing. We're trying to reach out to the people around us. And if you see, maybe you can try to learn some languages if you want to. My point is, at least we need to have this mindset, global mindset. Amen? That's why we do missions. I think that's the way that we can also... um, become the world-class Christians. Now, thirdly, we need to have this shift from temporal to eternal mindset. Okay? To make the most of your time on earth, I think we need to maintain this eternal perspective. Because a lot of times, in the business of the daily living, we forget what is really important to our life. We think the life in front of us, that is the most important thing. And especially in our culture, that's what we are training our kids. Rely on your feelings. That's the most important thing in life. No, I tell you it's not. Life is not just what is in front of us. The physical world that we're living in is not just everything. There's a spiritual world. There is a life beyond on the earth. What we do here, there is what? We do have a span of 82, fine, 100 years on the earth. I don't think 100 years, but at least 80 years. Let's say we'll be here for 80 years. That's 80 years. 
Compare that to eternity. The life eternity after earth is reality of our world. The Bible says so. And we know so by faith as we study the Bible. We need to have this eternal mindset. Then everything shall change. We're not gonna, we are not going to be too crazy about what? Uh, seeking out for the things of this world. So many of us, we are focusing on so much on things, material things. Money, 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 money. That's all we care about. That's our priority in life for pursuing the American dream. Good cars, better cars, better houses, and, and, and luxury stuff. That We really want that. And that's, they put their lives, they put their effort to get that. I'm not saying those things are bad. What I'm saying is they just don't know what is more important. The Bible says those, these things pass away. It's not going to last. What is going to last? Your soul. Whether you'll be in heaven with Christ, whether you'll be in hell without Christ. That is the situation. That is the reality. We need to have this eternal perspective, my brothers and sisters. Compared to what's coming after life on earth, this is a very short time that we have. However, is this life, this short life on earth, really important? Yes, it is actually very important. Because what we do in this life will determine for eternity to come. How you live your life to this life will determine what's going to happen eternity. If you activate your faith and trust in Christ and be forgiven, and, and, and when you see God on this earth, very small, short time compared to the eternity, the short life, the 80 years of life. Yes, you will determine what's to come for eternity. We need to have this eternal mindset. Amen? Very important. Then, way you study, way you do seek your career, way you raise your parents, I mean, your, your family, Ways you, way that you, you deal with other people, everything will change. If you change your perception, if you change, if there's a shift from, from temporal to eternal mindset, the way you manage your finance will, different, will be different. The way you make money will be different. The way you spend money will be different. The way you spend time will be different. We need to have that. That's the way that we can become world-class Christian. Amen? That's why we become generous. Why? Jesus said, store up your treasure in heaven. This is why we offer. We're not just offering and just giving our pay, our dues to God. No, we are investing in, in heaven. That's what God, Jesus said. Because we believe in eternal things. Your giving, your contribution to missions, your contribution to the building of the church can impact other people for eternity as they receive the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. That is why we should finance gospel ministry. That is why if you study the, uh, study the New Testament, Paul, that's what Paul did. Paul was not shy from doing fundraising as he goes to church to church. He said, pay up. We need to do some missions out there. Some other churches in Philadelphia, they need more money. 
Pay up. <laughs> Not pay up is the right word. Give. Let's help these guys. We're going to go and reach out to Turkey, the Asian miner. Hey, we need some funding. Please invest. Please give. He was not shy doing fundraising. My, pro- my point is this, is my brothers and sisters. We can only be generous when we have eternal perspective, not the temporal perspective. If you think what you have, what you, what you are getting, what you are gaining is everything, you won't be able to be generous. Oh, that's why we have so many stingy people in this rich country like America. I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about the, the whole people. Why? Because we are so trained to be selfish, trained to focusing on temporal things. But that's exactly what the devil wants us to be, become like him. He's very temporal mindset. Did you know that? The, the, why is Satan still trying to go against God, even though what's he, he knows what's going to happen at the end? Why? Because he's a temporal mindset. He doesn't, yes, he understands eternity, but he doesn't believe in it. So he tries his best to make everything against God. That's why he wants all of us to be distracted from the eternal things by tempting us with all these temporal things. And by giving to the Lord is a great practice, great way of worshiping the Lord. Saying, acknowledging that, Lord, I don't value temporal things more than eternal things. Here is an expression of my heart. I give my money generously to you for the sake of the kingdom of God. Here, you know what you're saying? Lord, I value eternal things more than temporal things. That is why we practice this. Amen. Important concept. But if you want to become mature, growing, world-class Christians, we need to have that shift. Last but not least, we need to have shift from or renew our mind from excuses to exploration. Excuses to exploration. If you are willing, there's always a way to do it. There are agents who will help you. There are things that can help you. But Every time we try to participate in what God is doing in life, in the church, and every time we try to do, for, for example, like missions or something that you want to do for God, people give excuses after excuses. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I have small child. Oh, I have to take care of this. Oh, I need more money. I'll come to church on Sunday, Pastor, but my job requires me to work on Sunday. You know what? After I make certain amount of money, then I can come to church. But I'll tell you that when do you, what guarantee is that you'll be able to come back? You won't be here, possibly. Your life might end tomorrow, possibly. See, we cannot wait for tomorrow. Now, don't give excuses. Lord, I'll come to you. I'll, I'll give my life to you tomorrow. There's no such thing. Now, are you willing to give your life? When we are trying to do some ministerial things, don't say, oh, when I'm not that busy, I'll, I'll, I'll serve the church. There's no, 
And my brothers and sisters, though most likely that person who has that kind of mindset, who always give excuses, you will never do, that person will never do it. And I know it. That's why we don't say much. But for instance, why do we do missions over in overseas? Every time I ask, why don't you come with me? They say, oh, I only speak English. I don't speak their language. But did you know, my brothers and sisters, this is actually advantage in many countries where millions of people want to learn English. They will love, they will love to talk to you, especially if you go to Asia. I don't have anything to offer. Yes, you do. Whatever you can. Whatever you can. If you just serve in the church, whatever you can. You're great fixing things? Yeah, fix, help. That's a great way to serve the kingdom of God. Yesterday, we had to move some stuff, so I called two brothers, and they were with me. Basically, I was telling them, this is the way that we can serve God. Can you imagine? We can even serve the, serve the kingdom of God, serve the church, by just having physical ability to lift things up and move things. Very minimal things. Oh, anyone can do it? Yeah, anyone can do it, but not everyone is doing it. You are doing it. Whatever that you can offer. You don't have to be musically talented to, to, to serve in the church. No. Whatever you can, bring it to the Lord. I remember one elderly person back in the days in our church member. All he did, he was not educated. He was not, you know, he was not, you know, talented in doing other things. All he did, you know what he did? All he did, he cleaned the bathroom of the church for five, six years that he was spending here. That's all he did. That's all he could do, he said. But guess what? I know that he was serving, serving the Lord, serving the church. Yeah. When we say give for the missions, I'm not expecting you to sell everything that you have and give it to the missions. No. Maybe some people are called to do that. But I know it's not you. I know it's not me. But give, then give. Did God, amount is not the point. Your attitude, your heart attitude is the point. Oh, yeah, if you cannot participate in the mission in the front because of your age, because of your physical limitation, fine. At least you can give. At least you can pray. Whatever you can. Amen. Let us not give excuses anymore. Oh, I cannot do uh, missions like you, Pastor. Yeah, yes, you can. You can pray for me. Yes, you can. You can give whatever you can to give and contribute. Have you ever done that? You'd be very surprised. We give excuses after excuses. We are willing to pay five, six, ten dollars for a, a cup of coffee, but we are not going to give anything for the missions or to the church gathering. We have a problem here, don't you think? It's like excuses after excuses. We need to shift from that. No more excuses. This is a classic excuse that I'll tell you. I'm too old. Right? I'm too old. I'm too young. Yeah, some people say, I'm too young. What do you expect? We're young kids. That's exactly what Sarah, the wife of Abraham, said. Remember? She was about 90. 
And God said, your mission is to bear a child. I'm too old. I can't do it, God. And she laughed. She didn't believe. Remember? I'm too young. You know who said that? Prophet Jeremiah. I'm too young. God said, hey, you young man. He was probably a teenager when he received the calling. Hey, go and speak. I'm too young. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. He said, oh, yes, you will know what to say. You just do it. You just obey. No one's going to listen to me. And you're right, he said. No one's going to listen to you, but you still do it because I told you to do so. That was the calling of Jeremiah. You read the Bible. You see people like that giving excuses. But when you shift from excuses to exploration, oh, look at how God can use their lives. Remember Gideon? He's a farmer. Lord, I'm broke. I have nothing. God said, get up, you mighty warrior. Look at the disciples of Jesus. Blue-collar men, most of them. Fishermen in Galilee. Back in the days, the Galileans were kind of country boys. They're like uh, weird people out there. That's how they were considered by the South, uh, the Judean people. Yeah. But Jesus' disciples were from Galilee. Jesus was raised in the northern region. That's why when everybody was saying probably, what good can come from Nazareth? It wasn't that a place. It's not a glamorous place. It was a countryside somewhere in the north in Israel. I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters, those are only excuses. No one here is too young or too old to participate in what God is doing in this church. Amen? No one is too poor or too rich to participate in what God is doing. I don't have anything to offer. No one is not, no one is talentless to participate in what God is doing. You, we all can contribute. We all can do something for the Lord. Bring it to the table by faith and see how God can do it. And that's the way that we can become world-class Christians. Amen? So from self-centeredness to kingdom-focusedness, from local to global mindset, from Temporal to eternal mindset we need to have. From excuses to explorations, we need to shift. Then, my brothers and sisters, oh yeah, God can clearly and surely use your life in and through for God's kingdom and for his plan. And I tell you, that's the very reason and purpose that we are here in this earth today. To serve God. Pursuit of happiness is not. Pursuit of the personal happiness is not the purpose of our lives. Pursuit of holiness, pursuit of God is our purpose in life. Amen? When we do, we'll be happy. When we do, we'll be fulfilled. When we do, we receive reward. When we do, we'll be saved. And all the eternity to come. Imagine. 
So let us be faithful today where we are, where we are as we are called to be here today. Let us be faithful in the small things so that we can be faithful in the greater things to come. Let us be faithful now so that we can enjoy God forever, for eternity. Amen? Let's pray.